This is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. I'm your health coach, Katrina Sequenzia, and I'm on a mission to help Christians get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. Well, hello, dear one. I am super excited to have a very special guest back with me today. And that special guest is my special husband, Chris. Welcome. I'm so delighted you're back with us today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me come back. Yes. Yes. So you've been in several episodes with me now and you'll be back more in the future, but you also had your own special episode. I know. Almost my own episode. I know. Number 17, Chris's journey to health. And let's just take a little side note and say it's our number one downloaded episode. That's pretty crazy. I know, right? So definitely go back and check that out. And so for those of you who don't know, Chris is our resident physical therapist and strength coach here at Healthy Free Life. He is also my partner in this ministry. He leads our exercise and movement habits in our Healthy Free Life Academy, and he's the creator of our beloved metabolic workouts. Our students love your exercise videos. Yeah, we do get good feedback. Yes. And today we're talking about the three mistakes that we've made with exercise. Yes. And most importantly, we're going to talk about how to correct these mistakes. Now, when I say we, I say collectively us, you and me, and most likely our listeners, we've made some mistakes over the last decades when it comes to exercise. like a professional mistake maker (laughs) when it comes to exercise. Yes. And in the last several years here, we have begun to realize the mistakes that we've made and Mm -hmm. we've began to make the adjustments not only in our own life, but also helping our students to achieve the results that they want using exercise correctly. So that's what we're talking about today. Yes. Shall we dive in? Yeah. And, you know, just to give us an overview Exercise is such a huge topic, so this could would be a really, really long podcast. So we're going to be breaking this podcast, you know, concept up as far as exercise go into multiple podcasts. So we're kind of just going to scratch the surface today on kind of our belief system on exercise and maybe allow you to maybe think differently a little bit on how you've approached exercise in the past. And then in future episodes, we're going to dive into a lot of these topics in much more depth. So exercise, it definitely has its benefits. So we're going to preface that by saying that we are not saying not to exercise. What we are saying is that exercise has proven benefits for health and longevity. Amazing effects. However, it may not be in the ways that we've been taught or led to believe by the diet and and exercise industry. It has, it's so much deeper than that. And new research has begun to bubble up over the last couple of years, even in the last couple of months here. And so we're going to be diving into some of that research and helping you to really understand where exercise fits inside your healthy, free life. Well, before we dive into the really nerdy stuff when it comes to research of exercise, which you know is really exciting to me, but let's go back in time a little bit. Let's talk about where maybe you might have had your first experience with exercise or where you've been, to- where you were told that, Hey, exercise, Hey, this might be something that I might need to do. Especially if I need to lose a little weight right. or want it to look a little bit better. Right. Well, that's you know, one of the main reasons why people go into exercise, they don't go in, usually they don't go into exercise just for fun. There are people that, you know, maybe say me that who actually enjoy exercise and uh, had, have done it most of our lives, just playing sports and things like that. So it's been in, ingrained in me as an athlete, as an athlete, but most people don't come from that side. So where did where did our, our listeners, our listeners are in our age range and maybe a little bit older. So where would you think they would be the first uh, time that they would have been experienced or uh, exposed to exercise? 1980s, baby. Yes. The eighties, yes. a great decade. Yes. So, and you think about the eighties, that's really, you know, there's probably a lot of people that exercise in the sixties and seventies, but the eighties seem to be kind of when things kind of exploded and really things like jazzercise and and uh, things like Jane Fonda's workouts and Richard Simmons and all those great people that started off the the fitness rev- revolution in a way uh, with their 
workout videos uh, that really motivated a lot of people to get moving. Right. right. And that was really my first uh, introduction to exercise. As I remember in the 80s, my mom mm-hmm. doing Jane Fonda workout videos. My mom right. had her leotard and her right. tights and her leg warmers. And she was there with her little Reeboks on doing right. her step, step her aer- aerobics, aerobics and then first. And then later on, step aerobics right. came. And I even did step aerobics well, at the gym. You actually in, made me go in the to the 90s and early 2000s. Class. You made me to go to a step aerobics <laughs> class, my one and only step aerobics <laughs> class. And that was an absolute disaster. Yes. Like I was tripping over the step. I had no idea where I was going. So yeah, that was a one and done thing for me. But yeah. yes, but, yes. but we talk about that because again, these were amazing people and they were so motivating when it comes to getting people exercising. But really when you look at it, the whole goal of those programs were to get you hot and sweaty and to try to burn as many calories as you could burn in an hour or hour and a half. I don't know how long some of those videos were, but that was the concept was get your heart rate up, get your body uh, sweaty and just try to burn calories. And now, unfortunately, we're, we're really realizing that that may not have been the best approach, uh, because if that was the best approach, then we wouldn't be in the situation we are maybe We'd today as a society. We'd all be skinny and sexy right now. Right. Yes. And unfortunately we, that, that didn't materialize. No. Um, so like some of the stats are from between 1980 to 2011, um, obesity rates doubled. Mm. So right there, if that was the best way to go about exercise for weight loss, again, there's, there's so many things that we're just scratching the surface on what exercise does. But if you're just looking for weight loss, if that was the case, we probably maybe wouldn't have seen those numbers go the way they went because there was a lot of people doing those type of workouts. Um, And now we're looking at numbers of like by the year 2018 statistics show that 42% of U S adults are considered obese. Yeah. And, um, and I think over 70% are overweight. Overweight. So huge. And now we're looking at those numbers rising in children. Right. So if, if we were looking at it the right way, Uh, And again, this is how all we knew, because that's what all of our research showed was the only real benefit of exercise was to just to burn calories Mm -hmm. because that's all we knew. That's all we had the technology even in research to be able to test for. They also found that it was good for heart health and for, you know, respiratory health. Yeah, things like that. Right. Yeah. So cardiovascular health. So again, are all great things, but most people whose goal was to use exercise as a tool for weight loss. Right. And, uh, and then we just realized that we might be, have looked at it wrong and it wasn't our fault. All right. So now let's dive into the three mistakes we've made with exercise and most importantly, how to fix it. And so let's start with mistake number one. Well, first mistake number one is what we kind of alluded to in the intro there was that we look at exercise as a way to burn calories and to quote unquote, speed up our metabolism. Mm, Okay. So you bring up a good thing, speed up the metabolism. I don't know that we've talked about metabolism very much in depth here on the podcast. And so let's first dive into explaining what is your metabolism, right? Well, I always like to say everybody knows that they have one (laughs) and they usually think it's slow. They just say, well, if I could just have a faster metabolism, that would mean I could eat more things that I would like and maybe I wouldn't have to exercise as much and I would just maintain my weight or even lose weight. Uh, One of the researchers that I follow that we're going to be talking about shortly, he uh, and his colleagues did a study where they just went around and asked people if just randomly, if they thought they had a fast or a slow metabolism and people would answer the question and then they actually brought them in the lab and actually tested their metabolisms. And basically everybody's answers were wrong. So the people that thought that they had a fast one actually had a slow one. And the ones that had a slow thought they had a slow one actually had a fast one. So, so really what does that even mean? Like what, like when, when we say quote unquote, we want to speed up our metabolism, it's really the, the wrong way to look at it. But what is the metabolism? We like to say the metabolism is what we call a stress barometer. And what do we mean by that? Our bodies has this internal mechanism, which is our metabolism to basically keep us alive. And it's God's way of allowing us to be able to sustain life. So when we eat food, 
we take our food in and then our body turns it into energy and just kind of miraculously happens. So that's our metabolism. It's so much more complicated than that. And there's, I mean, it's everything from our brain to our gut, to our, um, our pancreas, to our liver, all these organs, they all work together. They're all considered our metabolism, but we like to simplify it and say, just think about it as a stress barometer because it's really sensing stress internally in our body and externally in our outside environment to try to regulate what's happening and to try to keep us safe and to try to keep us alive and really truly ultimately to be able to, especially a female metabolism is to be able to make sure we can, re- you guys can reproduce right? because that's how we stay alive as a species is reproduction. Right. So uh, if we're not healthy and our body is not in a good environment, we wouldn't be able to do those things. So our body is working behind the scenes, doing all those things that's going to allow to keep us uh, healthy and safe. And that's really what our metabolism is. So when you think about it, think about it as a stress barometer and what's stress People think, okay, well, it's stress of stress at work. You know, my boss is putting pressure on me to get this deadline done and get this thing in, or our kids are causing chaos and and not uh, maybe doing the things we would hope for them to do, all those external things. Um, But those are all stresses, obviously, and our body will internalize that. And our body will also take things like, which most people don't understand or ever thought of is things like diet and exercise. Well, if we diet too low where we eat too many cal- or too little calories, or we exercise, like we're talking about today, the wrong way or too, or much. too much, that's going to be perceived as a stress to our metabolism. And how does our body react to that? Our body reacts to that as what we call the starvation response. So immediately, even though it has really nothing to do with starvation, our body is programmed to do that because back in the day, we didn't have to we exercise. Didn't, we didn't have to exercise and we didn't have a lot of food. Right. So anytime those stressors came in, it was like, uh oh, there's stress. We're going to deem this as a starvation response. We need to go into starvation mode to try to uh, basically save our lives. All right. So exercise can be a stressor to our metabolism then because, you know, our our body, our mind is not necessarily keen to the fact that we're trying to actually train for a, a 5K, right. but it might think that we're actually trying to run from a bear. Right. So obviously, if we are exercising in the wrong way, if we're making a mistake in exercise, then how does our metabolism perceive that? Yeah, again, it's going to perceive it as a starvation response. And how how does that look in the real world? Well, it's going to rear its head in things like increased cravings, Mm -hmm. uh, decreased energy. Basically, what it's trying to do, it's trying to force you to find food because it thinks it doesn't have enough. And it's not going to force you to reach for things like broccoli or kale. Mm -hmm. It's it's it all the hormones that are kicking in all the stress hormones like cortisol their job is to get you to eat sugar and eat things that are going to give you energy and quick energy because again it might it's things you might be running away from a bear so you're going to reach for things like cookies donuts things like that um, just because that's the that's how our bodies are wired right. so and then also you're going to also have decreased energy levels because your, your, your body's sensing that you don't have enough food. So your body's like, well, we need to decrease their activity levels. So that's why all of a sudden you start losing motivation and you're like, eh, maybe I just won't work out today or I find all kinds of good excuses not to work out. So we want to sit on the couch and eat a bowl right. of ice cream. That's kind of what happens. Shockingly. That's really what it looks like in, you know, basically in 2021. Right. Yes. So yeah. So let's give like a real life example about if we're really thinking about exercise just to burn calories. Okay. So let's just say you happen to be in the break room at work and there's these great Dunkin' Donuts sitting there. So you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just, I I deserve this. I'm going to have one. So you have a donut and a donut is 350 calories, roughly, I guess, depending on the donut or the size of the donut, but an average, I guess, is 350 calories. You know how long you have to run to burn off 350 calories? How long? Three and a half miles. Wow. Of running just to burn off that one donut. So when you think about it, if you're really looking at exercise in that way, it's kind of futile because very easily, you can very easily undo that 350 calorie deficit that you caused by running in the morning just by giving into 
a couple of treats here or there at the office. And when you think about it, that's what we just talked about right. is the metabolism is going to f- kind of in a way force you to do that <laughs> because <laughs> especially if you haven't eaten enough for breakfast and you say you did this run in the morning, you're already in this deficit and your brain's like, uh-uh, those donuts are looking better and better because it's trying to match that calorie out that you put out to try to match it with the calories in. And then you end up giving into the donut because you just don't have enough willpower because again, your body's all the hormones behind the scenes are pushing you to do this. And you're like, I don't even know why I ate the donut, but you eat it. And now you just basically wiped out the calorie deficit that you had by doing that nice long run that you did in the morning. And And if that's all you're looking at exercise and if you're like, well, then that was just completely just wiped out. There's no other benefit then if you're looking at it just from an exercise, from a, from a calorie standpoint. Well, it's not just the, it was just wiped out. It's also like the defeat in the, like kicking yourself and feeling like, like, well, I already ruined this day. Right. So I might as well just just have the McDonald's too. Just might as well start over tomorrow. Right. 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 And then it just snowballs throughout the rest of the day. Right. So this is why we end up in back in the state that we are where we've, we actually don't actually succeed in our efforts to lose weight when we use exercise the wrong way. Right. So let's talk about the positive side of what exercise can do for our metabolism. Okay. Okay. So the first part there was that we, the wrong way of looking at it is we want to speed up our metabolism, but really what we want to do is what exercise provides is it creates a more flexible metabolism. Flexible metabolism. Yes. And that's probably a term that nobody's ever heard of before. <laughs> it's like, what in the world does that mean? Does my, does my metabolism have Need to really, do some stretching? Really loose hamstrings? Yes. No, it has nothing to do with your flexibility of your muscles. It has to do with the flexibility of how your body is able to process the foods that you're bringing in. So let's just say we, let's, let's look at the same example of the donut. Okay. So if we've done exercise and if we've done exercise the right way that we'll talk about, and we've prioritized things like muscle. So say we have exercised and we have a fair amount of muscle mass on our body and we've done that over time. Uh, the muscle that we've created by the exercise is actually going to allow our body to like use and digest that donut in a better way because our muscle is actually, we think about it, our muscle is basically a a big sink. It's like a reservoir for sugar. Mm. So the donut shockingly has sugar in it. No. Did you really? know that? Did you know that? I did not. It has sugar in it. So what happens when you eat that donut, the sugar, your blood sugar is going to rise, right? Right. Because your, your, it ends up quickly in your bloodstream as sugar, which is energy, which is a good thing. But the problem is if we don't have a place to put it or we haven't used energy in the, in the form of moving our muscles during the day, our body's not going to have any, really any other place to put it. Our metabolism's not going to have any other place to put it, but to store it as fat. Yay. Yay. Cause that's the only other place it can go because we don't want sugar in our bloodstream because it's actually toxic. Like we could die if we have too much blood sugar. So it has a lot to do with insulin levels and all those things and insulin resistance. And those are not things we're going to get into today. We're going to do separate podcasts on that. But so you just think, Yes, you ate the donut. Yes, you may have wiped out 350 calories. But if you did run and you did lift weights in the morning, if you ate that donut, your body's going to be able to use it better. It's going to partition it in better places. Mm-hmm. Exer- what exercise does is it allows you to partition the energy that you do bring in. So it gives you a little more flexibility if you happen to give into things in a way that you wouldn't have if you hadn't used your muscle or you didn't have enough as much muscle mass on your body. Now, that doesn't mean it's an excuse no. to be able to eat the donut. No. We're not going to exercise no, so that we can eat the donut. I used to do that. I know. I, yes. there's, I'm sure there's yes. a lot of our yes. listeners well, that have done marathons. that. <laughs> so I used to run marathons and my friend and I used to run marathons and we used to get up crazy early in the Florida sun and run 12 to 18 miles. But then when we go to lunch, I'm like, hey, let's go get pizza. Because right. we just earned our pizza, basically. Right. And that's really not the way to look at no. it. But if you happen to have some pizza, have some pizza your body's going to be able to know what to do with it. Right. It's going to have better places to put it right. than in your, um, you know, love handles or, <laughs> you know, you're in a, you know, in a guy, you know, or in your uh, hips and thighs for a woman. Right. So, yes, our, it makes our bodies much more resilient to maybe the, some of the mistakes we make in our diet. Right. And it's not an excuse. And we give 
you permission to make some mistakes in your diet. Right. So we follow an 80, right. We follow an 80, 20 rule here that 80% we're trying to consume God's glorious whole foods in the right way, which leaves 20% for things that might not be on the glorious food listing or that we don't have to be perfect. It's not about perfection here. No. None of us are going to be perfect. So that's how the right type of exercise can affect your metabolism in a positive way. Uh, other things, though, which is amazing how research is coming out that, you know, just up until recently, we really thought muscle as just a way to move our bodies, like for locomotion, just a way to move our bones around. Right. But now we're realizing that the, your muscular system is actually considered the biggest organ in your body which is crazy because you wouldn't think a muscle is considered an organ. You think, you know, your brain, your liver, your lungs, those are organs, but your muscle is actually an organ and it's actually what they call an endocrine organ, meaning that it actually releases things that we consider hormones, right? which are myokines. So women in particular are always so concerned about their hormones, hormones and hormones, really hormones. so always concerned about right. estrogen and progesterone right. and, but really there's so many other hormones in our right. body and crazy to think that our muscles have the capacity to release hormones as well. Yeah. And there's just, they're finding so many of these, they, they have probably a number that they've found, but there's so many more that, that they're going to continuously find. And they're realizing that they have, have effects all over the whole entire body. So like the basic of a hormone, a hormone is basically an internal mailman. That's how we like to call it. It's way more complicated than that, but it's released from one area of the body and it goes to another area of the body and it tells it what to do or gives it information. So your muscle now we know is talking to your brain where it's giving your, it's actually now there's actual specific myokines that help are realizing that it helps cognitive function and mood. And it's purely from that, that signal that when you move muscle, it actually comes signals your brain to do certain things in a positive way. Uh, even things like inflammation, which so many of our people struggle with inflammation. And as a physical therapist, I would constantly see people coming in and they just be inflamed all over their body. They'd come in and they'd be, well, I have a problem with my shoulder, my knee, my back, my hip. And it was so overwhelming because one, we'd have the time to treat all those problems, but really it's like something, you always knew something must be going on. Like there's no way you hurt all those body parts in isolation. Right. There's gotta be something systemically wrong. And we know now there's a lot of inflammatory processes happening. And now we know that there's certain myokines, these hormones that your muscle releases that are, that are anti-inflammatory that help your body fight inflammation. So that's so huge. So moving your body the right way with right. exercise and building muscle can actually help us to reduce inflammation and to yeah. feel better and decrease pain. It's yes. counterintuitive really. Well, yeah, Because you're in the mentality of I'm hurting. So I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't move. move. Right. right. But just think of all of our, our people in our programs that have things like fibromyalgia, right. Which is so painful and so debilitating. Right. But you really almost feed into it if you don't, don't move. move. Because right. you're missing out on all these benefits that muscle does. Right. Um, another, another thing, thing which is really big to me being a physical therapist is muscle loss mm -hmm. as we age. So that's another term that maybe people have never heard of. It's called sarcopenia. People have, a lot of times people have heard of osteopenia and osteoporosis. Right. Osteopenia is just the beginning stages of osteoporosis. Sarcopenia is that loss it's not loss of bone, it's loss of muscle. Mm. So most people have never heard of that. The doctors don't really talk about it. It's like whatever, because there's really no uh, sarco, um, it's not, there's no version of osteoporosis where you get to a point where like the bone breaks. Right. Like, it doesn't get to that extreme, but they're realizing now that it's such a vital, muscle is such a vital organ in longevity mm. because we need muscle as we age and we actually lose muscle as we age. We right. lose all the hormones that are necessary to make maintain muscle. Plus a lot of it has to do with our lack of activity. Right. If we're not we using older, it. We're not using it. If that's saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's true because muscle is very, it's very taxing for our bodies to keep it on our, our, our systems to keep it on our body. So it's that saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Your brain is like, well, we've got this stuff sitting here. It's very taxing. It's using up a lot of energy. We don't really need it because she's not really using it. So why don't we just get rid of it? So over time we lose it and we start losing nervous system control. And then we also start as we get older, a lot of people don't eat enough protein. So they start losing that signal for our brain to maintain our body to maintain protein and uh, muscle. So we end up losing muscle as we age. And what happens then? Mm. Like 
all I would see as a, as a home health physical therapist, where I would go to patients' homes where they physically couldn't get up out of a chair. Right. And it, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they, it was just a progressive thing. And then they had a big life, like Tra- trauma, a traumatic experience, like being in a hospital for 10 days. Right. Maybe because they fell or if they fell, like, so if you don't have a lot of muscle going into a situ- situation like that, even, you know, the thing we're dealing with all in 2021 is COVID. You know, we have friends that have been on ventilators that are been in, in bed for 30 days. If you don't have muscle going into that, it's going to be a horrible experience coming out of that. Right. Because recovery will be so much worse. Yeah. Cause our muscle is actually our, place where our body stores the building blocks that are needed to rebuild. Mm. So if we don't have that muscle. And after right, injury or disease, we right, need to we rebuild. We need to rebuild. And that's where muscle comes in. So it's huge. And it's just huge just from a standpoint of being able to stay active. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about how we need to do things today that our 80 year old self thanks us for right. because you and I talk about all the time when we're in our eighties, we still want to be on the mission field that right. God has us in, whether that's here locally, whether that's in our state right. in our country, out of the country, we still want to be able to physically do all the things that we want to do. And we both know, and I'm sure that you listening has family members and loved ones and, yeah. and, and knowledge of those who are in their seventies, eighties and nineties and physically unable to continue to do the good work that God has for them to do because their body has, has declined over time and most of the decline was preventable. Yeah. And now their studies are showing that this is actually starting now in your thirties and forties. Ouch. Yeah. Because again, we're much, we're so much more, one of the terms is domesticated. Like we don't do much physical activity anymore. So just in general, not even just exercise, but our lives are so sedentary. Our jobs are so sedentary. You know, we live in the mountains of North Carolina and I used to go to patients' homes to treat them. So we'd have like the two opposite extremes. You'd have the person that came from the hospital that is so deconditioned that can't even get up out of their recliner. They need a lift chair. So they literally need the chair to, to mechanically lift them just so they could stand up because their muscles are that weak. So they had no muscle going into this, to this traumatic experience, this illness, and now they're coming out of it so much worse. To the opposite end of the extreme, I would have patients where, because we have a, farm, a big farming community here in the mountains, and I'd go to a patient's house that, you know, they'd be in their 80s and they're wanting to get on their tractor so they can go and mow their, their fields. When are you going to re- release me to get on my yeah, tractor, Chris? And it was always shocking to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you shouldn't be on a tractor, but they were going to do it anyway, because that's how they were. That's just in them. Right. And they, yes, they may have arthritis. They may have ended up in the hospital for something, you know, maybe a pneumonia or something, but they bounce back so much quicker and they had the muscle to be able to do it. It's just such a different, it's a, such a different outcome when we have that reservoir that we need to have. So muscle is hugely important. Yes. And that's where uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but that's really where, you know, those great exercise regimens like jazzercises and all those things. And those are still things people might be doing. And that's great. That's still a great thing. There's still, again, you're moving your body. You're still doing great things, but I just want to have people almost reverse their thought and thinking that, well, maybe, yes, that's burning calories and yes, it's fun. And maybe it is good for our brains and all those things, but is it really building the muscle that we need to be able to make our metabolisms flexible and make us a more resilient human? Well, and then the question that we always like to ask is, is it getting you the results that you want? So if you're doing it for weight loss and body change. And that's not happening. Then we got to rethink what you're doing. Yes. You know, there's always the term of, yes, you have to do the exercise that that you love to do, which is understandable because a lot of experts say, well, you just have to do what you like to do because then you'll stick with it longer. And that's definitely true. We don't want you to just be doing things all the time that you technically don't like. But If, like you said, if you're doing the things you like and you're not getting the results you're looking for, there might be time that you need to rethink why you're doing what you're doing. Maybe you still do the fun things that you do. And we always, we recommend you keep doing the fun things you're doing, but maybe you might need to be sprinkling in these activities that you might not think are super exciting or super fun, but they're actually more like a medicine, like a medication that you have to take. You just take it. You just take it and you do it. And we'll talk about this coming up, but in small doses and you just move on with your day. Right. You got to do the thing. And sometimes we got to do hard things that we don't want to necessarily do, Right. but knowing that it's going to get easier and better in the long run. Right. Right. And we've seen that 
time and time again with our students in our programs. All right. So we talked about the details of exercise and what, how exercise impacts our metabolism and how we need to begin to look at exercise a little bit differently and its benefits to us. Now let's talk about mistake number two. Mistake number two is missing where exercise fits within a healthy lifestyle. Right. And so if you were to go back to episode number one, like the most important episode, if you haven't caught that one, mm-hmm. go back and listen to what makes healthy for your life different. Well, what makes us different is we create health based upon our body, mind, spirit framework. A healthy lifestyle is built upon a pyramid of ensuring that our spiritual health, our mind health, and our body health are in right places. And when it comes to our body, there's actually five components to our body. There is hydration, there's sleep, there's uh, our movement, there's what we eat, and then there's how we exercise. Mm-hmm. Exercise is actually, I want you to think of this this body, mind, spirit framework as a pyramid. Exercise is at the top of the pyramid and it's actually the most small right. one on the pyramid. Well, it's on the top, so that means it's got to be the most No, important. it's the smallest one. Our right. spiritual health is at the base and it right. starts moving up from there right. because a healthy body can only be built on a healthy mind and spirit. And so exercise is at the top of our body habits. And right. so help us understand because you like you're you lead our exercise and movement right. components you're all about exercise you and love exercise, exercise right. and we're like you're here to tell us where does exercise really fit in a healthy lifestyle yeah well i think we've just just when you look at our marketing and how how exercise is presented to us it's just it's a sexy thing to do it's a sexy thing to try to sell and talk about because it's like hey you're doing something like you say it's not a passive thing it's like i'm doing something so i got it it's got to be doing something good for my health and it's really that's how it's always been presented to us because it's like oh this is the cool thing to do this is the this is what you should be doing but really when you say like, like when we look at the pyramid there's so many other things that even are affect our metabolism or even can even affect our metabolisms even in a bigger way that aren't as sexy right. as exercise. Right. It's like how and harder and sometimes harder, harder or easier to do. Right. Depending. depending on depending on your yeah, depending on your uh, your personality. Like right. some people exercise is actually easier to do than to rest. Right. You know, they'd rather exercise than go take a bubble bath or read a book or something. So that's kinda like me. Right. <laughs> so but other people it's the opposite. And we've we've just nobody talks about those other pieces to the puzzle because again it's not the really cool fun exciting thing to talk about is to talk about movement or hydration or, or sleep. sleep right you know because it's like great you're telling me to sleep i'd right. rather do this next super exciting state-of-the-art advanced workout right or, or buy, buy this really cool exciting piece of equipment, equipment that right. costs thousands of dollars that you may not need right <laughs> that but it's again it's something like i'm doing this for my for my health and that's just how it's been approached and again like we talked about exercise has amazing health benefits and i will be exercising hopefully until i die but we have to put it in its place right in a healthy lifestyle so practically mm-hmm. then if exercise isn't as important as we once thought when, as it relates to our metabolism, but it is still important and right. we still want to include it. We're not saying not to exercise. We want to exercise the right way, but put it in its rightful place. What does that look like in our day or in our week or in our month or seasons of life? Right. What does, what does exercise tangibly look like? Yeah. And we do, we go through this a lot with some of our coaching students or the people that students that we have in our coaching programs, because it's really individualized. It really depends on your season of life, not just from uh, what you have going on on your day-to-day stressors of your life and where you are in life, but also where you are in just overall season of your life, whether you're in your younger years or maybe you're in your little bit of your more mature years of like menopause. It, It plays a different role or it should play a different role. And unfortunately, again, our society has never talked about that. It's just like, go do as much exercise as you can possibly do at all times. And that'll just miraculously just get you to the promised land. And that's not necessarily the case. Like if, for instance, we have a lot of, you know, these two years or this year and a half that we've been dealing with, there's been a lot of stress, right? shockingly stress. So, and, but it, it just added to the already stressors of life. Normal stress, right. right. So, so you add that on 
And an exercise can be a great stress reliever. It can, like we talked about, there's, there's hormones that are released that help your mood and in your, in your brain. And there's so many great things that happen from exercise. So it's not that you don't want to exercise, but if you're under stress, an extra amount of stress, you may want to rethink how often you're doing it and how much of our priority it is, because you might need to prioritize sleep more than that. Or you might need to prioritize rest more than that because if our stress is getting out of balance, like we have two types of, of nervous systems. You have the fight or flight system, which is what we think about is like, if we're being chased by a tiger, that's that system of like, we need to flee, fight or flee. Or we also have the other part of our nervous system is our rest and digest. So it's more of our chill side. And unfortunately, in these years, we constantly push the one side, we push the sympathetic system with all of our stressors in our lives, with lack of sleep, things like that. And then on top of that, exercise is a stress. It, it definitely is a good stress. There's good stresses and bad stresses, but it can still be deemed as a stress for our body. So if we're not doing things to counteract that, we can actually start getting negative effects right. of of the, of the over-exercise. There's a lot of people out there that over-exercise. I know some people are like, why, well, how would anybody ever over-exercise? Oh yeah, no, we know them. But there's a lot of, uh, trust me, I've I worked think, with- I think we have several listening. Yes, I've worked with uh, me having a history of running marathons. I've worked with many endurance athletes running ultra marathons, 100 mile runs, doing Ironman triathlons. So, you know, every, you know, running 10 miles every day like every day of their whole entire life. So there's people out there like that. Right. And I think I probably would be like that too. And I was like that until my body basically burned out. And well, that's up. the thing. Those people, as long as they're supporting their body, mind, spirit framework, right. like talk about like where they're, they're hydrating, yeah. they're resting, if they're, in they're a situation sleeping where in their well. season of life that they can handle that right. stress. Right. You know, but if you're getting up at, like I was getting up at four, four thirty in the morning and running 12 to 16 miles right. and then working, you know, 12 hour day, a fairly stressful job and then having small children, and life. a wife and a business, it was just too much. Life was stressful. Right. But if it's somebody that's more in a situation of life where they, they may not have to work as much or their kids are grown or they don't have kids, maybe they can get away with stuff like that. Or maybe you are postmenopausal and you're trying to work out the same way as you worked out when you were 30 or even 40. And you're like, wow, I, I don't know why I'm not feeling the, I'm not feeling as good or I'm not seeing the results anymore. And you always can say, okay, well, it's got to be my hormones. Well, you also got to think that because of that hormone shift that you have in that time of your life, you actually have to rethink how you do exercise and where it fits in your priorities. Because if you're waking up early to just do a workout and you're skimping out on sleep, you're actually could be doing yourself a disservice because your body may get more benefit from the sleep at that age than you do the actual exercise. Mm, still you still need exercise, but you really need to prioritize the sleep. So a postmenopausal woman who is not necessarily quote unquote, an exerciser where exercise is right. a huge part of their life, but they're wanting to look at exercise as a, as a goal to add into their life. Right. How would you, how would then exercise fit into that woman's role postmenopausal? And she has an average amount of stress, not overly stressed. Right. What would you recommend for her as far as a workout schedule, a goal to achieve? Yeah. And again, it stems back to, you know, if you are postmenopausal, you may be, especially um, in that age group that you may have been indoctrinated in the way of doing more of the cardiovascular type exercise. And again, cardiovascular exercise is great. I still do it. But if that's your only form of exercise, you may have to rethink, okay, well, am I getting the results I'm looking for? Well, what we talked about earlier is we really need to prioritize muscle and how muscle is going to be, has all these amazing effects. And especially as we age, we talked about the sarcopenia where we start losing muscle mass. If we're not doing things to actually stimulate muscle growth and maintenance of muscle in menopause, we're doing our body a real disservice. So we really need to be prioritizing strength training type workouts. And that's not necessarily something that is really, it's almost counterintuitive to especially a female at that age, because I don't, they don't want to, they don't want to lift heavy weights. They don't want to get bulky. You know, that whole term of I'm going to get bulky if I lift weights, that's you're not going to get untrue. bulky. No. Unless you're taking steroids, right. um, you're not going to get bulky. It, there's just the, the amazing effects that we talked about of having more muscle. We need to do things to stimulate that. Right. And that, and muscle again, just doesn't come on miraculously. No. Like our body's not going to build it unless we do it's gonna things. It's going to decompose that, it. 
yes, it's going to decompose it. We need to do things. Muscle or exercise is a stimulus. It's forcing our body to do something that we want it to do. And if we don't do it the right way, then we're not going to get the, the most out of the exercise. So one of the things is what we teach in our programs is you prioritize strength training as we get older. So still incorporate cardiovascular. And we're going to talk about that, I think in our next point, but you have to have a strength training component and maybe it's not six days a week anymore, Mm. because again, maybe your body can't handle that volume anymore. So maybe it's cutting it back to three to four days a week. So that really leads us to then mistake number three is that we have, we have missed how much and how often we need to be exercising to experience the results that we're after and too much is a detriment. And so, and too little and too little is a detriment. detriment. And so we have people on both sides of the spectrum that aren't getting enough and those that are getting way too much. And so let's talk about this mistake a little bit more in depth. What is the mistake that we're making when it comes to frequency and duration? And then, and then let's obviously talk about how to correct this and what we can do instead. Well, what we teach and you teach heavily in our programs about baby steps and habits. So where I've always seen people fail and me, myself included, and you too as well, is you go on an exercise program or you decide I'm going to do this type of program or I'm going to go to the gym, especially New Year's, Right, you're going to get that gym membership and you're going to go to the gym and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this workout that takes 60 to 90 minutes and I'm going to go to the gym four to five times a week. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, this is the year I'm going to change. I'm going to become an exerciser. Like you talk right. about becoming an exerciser and what happens? <laughs> fail. <laughs> so <laughs> majority of people fail. fail. So me included. Right. So, so why is that though? Why can't, why can't we maintain that? Why in your world of, of going in super depth in habits right. and habit formation, how, why is that such a problem going into that, that going into that mindset? Well, I think we need to understand, first of all, for most of us, exercise is not something we necessarily want to do. Not everyone. A lot of people love it. I'm not one of those people. Right. And And so, but we get ourselves all motivated and all gung ho. And the issue with, with habits is that we need to understand how the brain works. We can't just expect that we're going to be able to completely adjust and change our schedule, our, our, like what we do on a daily basis, because our brain is, is created to form habits. Almost 50% of what we do every single day is a habit. And so we, we have to understand how to create healthy habits and especially when it comes to exercise. And in the beginning, when we first start working out, it it has to be more about the habit, creating the habit of exercise mm-hmm. than worrying about actually, the actual the exercise, exercise itself. Right. And this is even if you fall off, whether you're just starting or if you fall off the exercise bandwagon, like we got to get back to helping our brain to create the habit first. And then we're going to start seeing the results once we've created that habit. And so, um, So often when I've tried to work out, like you said, you know, we have, I've gone out to do 30, 45, 60 minute workouts multiple times a week. And it's just, my brain can't sustain it. My motivation will only last so long. Especially when you're trying to do something you don't want to do. Especially doing something I don't want to do. In the beginning, I think I want to do it, but then the realisms are, is it's kind of hard. Well, plus you also don't see the results quick enough. Right. And so really uh, what we want to do is we want to look at what it is that we are after and create such a stupid small habit of doing it, that it requires no motivation to do it. That is the key. And so when we talk about our exercise success path, when somebody first starts working out, we want to create such a, I mean, I don't want to call it stupid because it's so important, but a simple small habit is that just get dressed to work out. Mm -hmm. Sounds. And maybe if you don't, if you're like me and you work out in your pajamas, then maybe just do the warm up. Mm of the workout and that's it. And nobody's going to tell you that. And nobody's going to tell you that. And you do that three times a week, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, until you're like, well, this is, I can do this. I could probably do like another five minutes of the workout. And you do five more, you do five more minutes and it just continues to build from there. And sooner or later, you're going to become an exerciser where you're working out more frequently. But we got to talk about that because what is 
the right frequency and duration. So I'm now becoming an exerciser, right? So I've created the healthy habit Mm -hmm. instead of, instead of just like going full force into some random exercise routine, I'm going to baby step my way there. And I, listen, I talk about baby steps in episode 16, go back and listen to that. I talk about habits more in depth in episode 23, go back and listen to that. So now I'm creating the healthy habit with baby steps. What is my eventual goal? Like, where are we after when it comes to duration and frequency? Like, what should be our goal? In a way, been sold a bad bill of goods in that we've always been told more is better. So if you can go 45 minutes, why don't you try to go 60? Why don't you try to go 90? Because more is better. Again, because if you're looking at it as a calorie burning process, you're thinking, hey, I can burn more calories the longer I go, which is true. You do burn more calories the longer you go. That is physics. It does happen that way. But it's, it's just not the way to look at it because studies are now showing that you don't really need more than... 30 minutes, even 15 to 30 minutes in that ballpark to actually get the hormonal changes and the responses that we want to get from our hormones. Because, and we'll talk about this in future episodes, but we look at when you do the exercise the right way, you're releasing the right type of hormones. Again, we call those, those little internal mailmen that float around and tell things what to do. If you do it the right way and in the intensity level, the right way, you don't need more than 30 minutes to do. If you are going more than that, if you are going into that 60 minute range, you're probably not working out hard enough to actually get the results that you want. And then you don't understand why, because again, how could working out 30 minutes be more beneficial than working out 60 minutes? Right. That doesn't, just doesn't make doesn't sense. Make sense. Again, because we're always on that mind, you know, shift of, oh, well, it's obviously we have to go more because more is better, more is better because it's going to burn more calories. So we have to get out of the, out of our head that it's a calorie burn concept. It's all about what is we're doing hormonally to our body while we're doing the exercise. Right. So, and again, what, what is the one main thing of why people say they can't exercise? I don't have time. I don't have time. Because, yeah, you don't have 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. But do you have 15? Do you yes. have 20? We can do anything for 15 right. minutes. And breaking it down even smaller, you can do anything for two. Right. Right. And that makes it doable. Yes, it makes it doable. Especially it makes it more realistic. When you, especially when you are doing the right, the right kind of exercises. And again, so I'll, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I want to talk real quick about the fact that if you're training for something, say, you know, when I was training for a marathon, you can't run a marathon and only run for 30 minutes. Right. That's not you're right. not, it's not going to go well. Right. Okay. So you have to put it in a context of what you're training for. Right. So if you're training for an event, for an endurance event, then yes, you have to do what those you need to things. do to those things. Right. Again, because you're trying to compete in an event right. or just, you know, hit a lifetime, like a bucket list thing of doing this event. But if you're looking at it from a standpoint from health or for even weight loss, that's not the way you need to look at it. Right. So what is the quote unquote right way to exercise? for the average person that's looking for health benefits and possibly weight loss. Well, what we teach in our, our academy is we're, we want to incorporate short, fairly intense, safe, intense, as safe as you can possibly go. And again, everybody's individualized, but short, 15 to 30 minutes tops. And, we, and you want to focus on strength training, but also incorporate cardiovascular training. And what we teach is we teach a hybrid approach where you're actually getting both of those concepts into one workout. So you don't have to say, okay, well, I have to do 30 minutes on the elliptical and then turn around and do now I need to do 30 to 45 minutes of weightlifting. We're maximizing our time. Yes. Yes. We're blending them in together. It's concurrent it's called. So you're actually getting both, both benefits in one. So now you're also just much more time efficient, but it's also really research is showing that that's actually the best way to elicit body change. And really what we're looking for is body. If you're looking for weight loss, you really want body change because you really don't want to just lose weight. Cause usually when people go on a diet and they do the wrong type of exercise, they're not maintaining their muscles. So they're actually losing more, even more muscle than they are fat. Mm. So now they don't get the look that they want because we're just a they, squishy pear or right, a squishy apple. Which is a smaller version of yourself right. versus actual body change. And right. these type of workouts that incorporate both actually allow you to do that. 
you know, so often our students are um, just so surprised at the results that they get from our metabolic uh-huh. workouts, our 15 minute metabolic workouts, which we have designed for all fitness levels. Right. So whether somebody is super beginner, has ailments and things that restrict them from really doing traditional exercise, we have workouts for them. We have intermediate and we even have advanced. Well, I'm a physical therapist. So my whole life has been spent dealing with people with injuries and trying to either fix them or work around them the best we possibly can. So I've taken all those concepts and created workouts where all the exercises are safe. A lot of the exercises are built around our physical therapy approach to treating certain body parts. So it's about as safe as you could possibly get right. um, when it comes to exercise. Granted, not not no exercise routine is perfect because everybody's different. And that's why I work with people to help customize things for them when they need it. But a lot of thought has gone into how we program our exercises to get the most out of them and and decrease the, the risk of injury. Right. And I think of someone like Catherine who couldn't even right. get up out of her wheelchair. Yeah, she was literally And she started bound. with two minutes, mm-hmm. creating the habit of two minutes of our exercise routine. And now she's able to do the whole exercise routine and she's hiking. Amazing, right? So that would be something where a beginner can go from beginning right. to and actually again, begin A lot of workouts more. that are awesome workouts you know, there's many, many, many great workouts out on the market today. But if you notice, majority of them are, are geared towards younger people that may need to lose some weight, but the majority of them don't have any physical limitations. Right. They can do all the lunges they and jumps and squats without and any problems and all the things. Right. Um, it might be difficult, but they can do them. Right. Physically. Versus what happens if you have trouble even getting up off the floor? Right. Right. How do you do those type of workouts where we've taken all that into consideration? Right. But we also have advanced options on, on every single workout as well, where you can do the advanced workout and actually experience the intensity of it and see results from it. So this is what we love about it. And our students are always so surprised that we only ask them to do 15 minutes three times a week. And I think about Sandy who just told us a week, a week or two ago, she was just like, I I have been stopped now twice and been complimented on how fit I am. Now Sandy is postmenopausal, just Mm -hmm. doing the thing 15 minutes, three times a week. And she has been complimented by others about how fit she looks. And she was like, who knew that this is all it would take. This could actually work because she's doing it the right way. She's doing it the right way. Exactly. Exactly. So it absolutely is possible to experience results and using when you use exercise the right way. All right. So we've talked about quite a lot today and we're going to continue this conversation on exercise in future podcasts. So we want to take this go. These concepts go more in depth and even talk about more stuff as it relates to exercise and really all things health and metabolism and all sorts of fun things. So definitely stay tuned. But today we talked about the three mistakes that we make with exercise and how to avoid them. And so just to remind you, We've got to stop using exercise strictly for a calorie burn. We need to understand how it affects our metabolism and how to use it to benefit our metabolism. We also need to make sure that we put exercise in its proper place, recognize that there are other components of our body, mind, spirit framework that we must consider and bring health to those as we are also exercising. And then lastly, the the third mistake to avoid is we want to make sure that we are not exercising too much or too often. And we also need to make sure that we are creating that healthy habit of exercise because we want to be mm-hmm. exercising for our lifetime. lifetime. Exercise might look different throughout our lifetime and at different seasons, but we still need to be, but exercising. We still need to be exercising and having the habit. And so making sure that you develop that habit in the right way is going to be key. Well, it was so fun to be on here with you. Such a delight as always yes, to we have love you talking here. about this stuff. Absolutely. So come back again soon now. And now let me leave you with this reminder from first Timothy four verse eight for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come until next time. Bye for now.